0: Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and it's been Trophy Week this week. We're going to hear about all the goings on there. You also heard from Steve Courage at the beginning. Salisbury City are our Step Three focus this this weekend, and we're going to hear from Steve Courage later on in the podcast. So stay tuned for that. I was with Chris Pratt yesterday, so we're going to hear mine and his review on the trophy games involving the northern sides yesterday and also the one match in National League North and also live from his car we've, we've done a lot of recording from cars this weekend it's Rob Worrell
1: Hi Luke, good to speak to you as always uh, another another fascinating weekend of the FA Trophy ties to review today looking forward
0: to it We're going to come to you first Rob and look at the southern half of the draw because there was a few more shocks in, in the north we'll start off with probably the result Of the round, Dorchester winning four-nil at Eastbourne.
1: Yeah, nobody really saw that one coming, did they? Um, You know, uh, Eastbourne have been in pretty good nick most of the season. They've had the odd wobble, but uh, they've been in decent form. You always get these conspiracy theories with the FA Trophy, don't you? As soon as anyone loses, people say, "Oh, you know, they didn't want—they wanted to go out or whatever." You know, nobody wants to go out, do they? Everybody wants to put out a football team to win matches. Huge congratulations to Dorchester. Uh, and in particular to Tom, not Tony Blair. Uh, Tom Blair with a hat-trick for Dorchester yesterday. Quite rightly, he should and will get all the headlines. Yeah, it's
0: a good point you make, though, about teams saying they're not bothered. Now, you can understand it if it was a team near the top of the league, but Eastbourne mid table they've got nothing to lose. They might as well uh, go for it and try and get as far as they can. So, like you said, I, I don't think be too happy with that today Eastbourne when they're looking back on the result
1: No I mean psychologically it's always an interesting round as well because uh, it's a free hit for the lower division clubs isn't it it really is and uh, it's a difficult one psychologically for, for the higher place teams in the sense of the fact that they might sometimes feel it's a lose-lose situation you know if, if they lose they end up with egg on their face if they win well they were expected to anyway um, but I think we have to uh, doff our cap to that a lower league team winning against uh, one from a higher division and not only doing it but doing it uh, with a plomb 4-0 away from home if you're a Dorchester fan or even an Eastbourne fan and there's any more of a story to that game then uh, let us know at NLFullTime on Twitter
0: Yeah, or email us NLFullTime at gmail.com if it's more than the the requisite characters Another game which caught my eye um, again, another upset if you like Eastleigh, you've not done well in Cups this year. They lost 2-1 at Hemel Hempstead.
1: Yeah, it is interesting uh, you know, Hemel are a decent side. They're well organised. They're, they're doing OK in their division. Obviously, they're used to being in the top seven. They're in and around that again this season. Difficult tie for Eastley going away to Hemel and, and Hemel will have will have focused on that. The fact that that, that the Got sort of knocked out rather cheaply in the first round of the uh, the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup too. So full credit to the uh, National League South side there, Hemel, uh, in in progressing against Eastleigh. I think it was all it all happened pretty late on, didn't it? Um, they uh, they nudged ahead around about sixty nine, seventy minutes, doubled that with a penalty, and then Ollie Dunnett got uh, his first goal for Eastleigh. But uh, it was too little, too late, and. Uh, yeah, Ben Strivens out of the cup on the first attempt uh, in both, but doing okay, much 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 better in
0: the league now. Yeah, that might be one team. If Ben Streven says, "Look, we're on the cusp of the playoffs," maybe he made changes for for the sake of it. So it'd be interesting to see how easily can progress from that going on later on in the season. Another team who you know quite a lot about, Rob wheelstone They uh, they surprisingly lost at Biggleswade on Saturday and. Uh, that wasn't the result I was expecting and that's another one that really jumped out when we were going through the results
1: yeah it's one I picked out as just wanted to, to, to highlight with you today fantastic uh, performance from Biggles Wade uh, beating a team from just one league higher of course but fantastic result for them you know one of the lesser known names one of the smaller clubs still left in the FA trophy and I think they took the lead but uh, Wilson equalised pretty quickly pretty much pr- pr- fairly late on I think they had they had a ball they did, uh, Bigglesway towards the end of that one. Ball with the winner, uh, and 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 aside just just down the road from me in St. biggest Bigglesway. So uh, it's a result I was looking out for, and we'll come on to talk about another team just down the road from St. Leeds in a minute as well. But yeah. but yeah, well done, Bigglesway.
0: Another result that really caught the eye, Rob, as well, which we're gonna I'm gonna quicker look at now, was when uh, Wingate and Finchley beating Dulwich Hamlet. Wingate and Finchley beat Chippenham in the last round. Two goals from Rob Laney this time put. Dulwich Hamlet to the sword, which also featured one of the best goal mile scrambles of the season. It's all over Twitter, it's all over social media at the minute, so check that out as well. But well done to Wingate and Finchley, and they've bloodied the noses of two National League South sides now. Another national league south side, he went toe to toe with the strongest league in the world, the national league north. Was um, Ricky They travelled to Hereford after taking the lead through Ross Lafayette. It didn't quite go their way, did it?
1: No, it didn't. Credit to Hereford for, for turning that round. It's always fascinating to see the matchups between north and south. Doesn't happen much. It is obviously regionalised the draw to some extent at the moment, but. Uh... With, with, with obviously some uh, some wavy lines in the fact that that tie can still come out. Interestingly, you've got a sort of mid-table, lower mid-table National League North side coming out against one of the top three sides in the National League South. Does that tell the whole story? I don't know. Um, you might say from Hereford's point of view, both sides under new management, but uh, you might say from Hereford's point of view, well, consolidating in the National League North is probably all they've got to aim for league-wise this season. Let's have a really, really good run to point themselves up towards the playoffs. Uh, Billericay, of course, you know, they are, despite all the uh, shenanigans and all the coming and goings of the club, they, they, they still remain with ambition to uh, get up to the National League this season. But well done to Hereford, uh, not just seeing them off, but coming from behind to do so. So that was the uh, the other game I wanted to uh, to highlight in um, terms of sides that have done really well
0: in the uh, southern half. Game that you were, you at Rob was um, Aldershot, who took on a team three divisions below in in Bedford. They were at home in that game. They're at the Ebb Stadium. They fell behind before fighting their way ahead before Bedford got our last minute equaliser and Rob uh, you were at that game and uh, we'll talk about the game as well and then other news which developed since then as well.
1: Yeah I mean let's deal with the game first Luke, putting my neutral hat on for a minute if I can and I do try to do that. It was a brilliant bit of entertainment you know it had everything one team's ahead then the other one and ahead before half time and then it swings again both ways in the second half. Again another game played in a downpour the whole match. Uh, a few splishes splashes, and splashes, but not quite as bad as they were in that FA Cup tie against Bradford a few weeks ago. Just brilliant entertainment, really. Bread, Bedford Town they came with good support. They came as a side used to scoring two or three goals a game in their league, and only, you know very rarely conceding more than one. And they gave it a real go. They knew all the shot were depleted, uh, and that's not to make too big a thing of that. It, the facts are there. All the were only able to name two substitutes, uh, and they now find themselves in a replay on Tuesday night and whichever way you look at it it was unwanted and I do know that two players out of the 13 involved yesterday are injured and very unlikely to be involved on Tuesday so I really, really don't know I honestly, Aldershot could put a team out with 11 players and no stops on Tuesday unless uh, they're able to pull a couple of rabbits out of the hat in the next uh, 48 hours.
0: Anybody in the academy who who, who could stick on the bench, who who maybe keep an eye on?
1: Well that's a question that all of us in the media have been asking of Gary Waddock lately because uh, he's answered consistently, no, there's nobody at the right level, nobody who's knocking on the door and you should have to earn the right to do that. Um, We don't want to give people a misleading impression that they're close to that when they're not. I think we understand that logic, but then equally we're going, well, surely this is extreme situation, and surely if somebody that starts the game has to come off injured, you're better off having somebody, anybody, My goodness me, I would throw the headphones off and the microphone down, you know, and and, and walk over hot coals to to run on the football pitch for 10 minutes at the age of 52, you know. No, seriously, somebody out there that can play football has got to be better than going down to 10 men, hasn't it? You know, um, so I don't know. Uh, It'll be an interesting call for Tuesday night, first of all, as to how many players they're able to get out and B, how they look at it. There's no chance of a reshuffle. There's no one else that can come in because you, the FA Trophy rules are that you have to be signed on before the first tie, so they're either going to have to stick some injured players on the bench. I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do. I can honestly see realistically Aldershot going into that game on Tuesday night if they're lucky with we'll 11 players and no subs.
0: Wow. I mean, the the other the other argument is, and I've had this a long time, is you don't know if the academy players are good enough until you try them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, look, look my Gary Waddock's in charge of Aldershot at the moment, at least. We we'll come to that. Um, but, um, you know, that's his, that's his opinion. That's his decision. You know, I tend to agree with the logic, but I, I think they're extreme circumstances. And, uh, you know, just my opinion, you know, uh, I, I would stick a couple of kids on the bench if, if you're able to. And I don't know if they are now for the replay, but uh, I would have done yesterday uh, for the experience. And also just to have a body, you know. In a couple of games recently, I've lost three players injured in the same match. So you've got to give yourself the minimum of three possible uh, changes to make and keeping 11 men on the pitch.
0: On a, on a silver lining, Rob, at least the replay's is uh, close to your house, eventually. You've got a game it close is, to your house. But,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah, it is good. In, in normal circumstances, I'd look forward to it, but I'm dreading it for more than one reason. First of all, it's a challenge, uh, logistically, from a commentary point of view. Secondly, obviously, as I say, Aldershot might struggle to get a team out. And thirdly... Coming back to our, our theme of a couple of weeks ago, hashtag real jobs. Um, one of my jobs, I, I'm self-employed, I have a couple of jobs. One of them is delivery-based and I have an evening of deliveries to do on Tuesday evening and I'm going to have to bring up every one of those. I think it's about 35 customers in the next 24 hours uh, and rearrange all those, um, all those uh, deliveries for another night. Which, so I'm not too happy about it from that point of view as well. But on the good news, yeah, if I want to, I can have my tea comfortably at home and uh, and nip up to the ground, which is uh, about 12 miles from my house. A ground that I've played on as a player, and ground that I've missed a penalty on as well, Luke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear. That's uh, not something I'd, I'd, I'd shout about on a podcast. Eh? <laughs> no, no,
1: I'm not. I... I'm not more than happy to uh, to take the mickey out of myself no problem
0: at don't, all with that. don't tell Gary Waddick that if Gary Waddick goes Rob do you fancy playing don't go well I, I have played here Gary but I've missed a penalty in the past To will be like do you know what I'll find somebody else <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no if Gary was tapping me up for a game or an appearance on the bench I'd keep that one under my hat
0: <laughs> well I mean will Gary Waddick be there Rob because there's a story that broke on the non-league paper they, they brought out a tease of a headline last night and it's on the front of the non-league paper this morning saying that Gary Waddick has been lined up for the vacant Bristol Rovers job so Rob do tell
1: yeah well it's a pretty sensational headline isn't it Rover and out um, I don't know how substantiated it is I, I, I promise you here, I'm, I'm, I'm not sort of guarding up or fencing up or anything else I don't know Heaven knows, I've tried to find out over the last 12, 15 hours. Um, We are a little bit, those of us, you know, connections, regular involved with the club are all scratching our heads a little bit. There could be some truth in it. My gut is telling me, based on what I've seen, what I've heard, conversations I've had briefly with Gary Wadag and with the chairman, Shahid Shahid Azim is that... um, is that it could be unsubstantiated and it could be something that's grown from kind of rumour. And, you know, what I can tell you is this. Um, after the game yesterday, the circumstances were all a little bit different to how they are normally. I do understand the players were kept in the dressing room for quite a long time. And Gary did go off and have a meeting or a chat with uh, Shahid Azim in the meantime. At that point, people start you know, scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. Uh, A player wasn't offered up to me for a BBC radio interview and wasn't either for the club either, whether that was because they logistically couldn't get there because they were in the dressing room or whether it was, you know, a a deliberate decision, I don't know. And then, um, you know, following Gary Waddock's post-match interviews, um, he was kind of, you know, asked always oh, is, is, is there something going on? Is there an announcement? Is there some news? And Gary kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, "No, I, d- I don't know about anything." He was, it was put to him about, you know, potential interest from Bristol Rovers, and his his answer was, "I've nothing to say on that." You know, I feel for Daryl Clark having lost his job. Um, so no real answers from that. Um, and I personally spoke, not recorded or anything, but just off a one to one chat with the Aldershot Town uh, chairman, Shahid Azim, um, and, and in that conversation, he confirmed that Gary is on a rolling contract, that any club approaching would have to speak to him first and that no one has spoken to him, no, no club has approached Shahid at the moment about Gary's services, so that's all that we can go on. Um, I think there is a fear within Aldershot Town Football Club, the supporters, possibly even some of the staff and volunteers that they might lose Gary because they do believe a lot of Gary. But the other thing you've got to ask yourself, Luke, why would Bristol Rovers in League One come knocking at the door for someone who's managing a a National League team that are probably in a relegation fight, you know? So... I don't know. I really, really don't know. By the time this podcast goes out Sunday evening, I still don't think we'll know. But uh, of course, things happen quickly in football, Luke, and uh, you know, twenty-four, forty-eight hours down the road, all could become clear.
0: Yeah, like you said, it could be just the connection that he's—you know—he's been at Bristol Rovers in the past, and there may be some something that you've heard from that you've heard from elsewhere. You don't know. One
1: potential reason for the slightly different routine at the end of yesterday's match could have been much more practical you know all the shot now find themselves in a game on Tuesday night that they weren't expecting to be involved in uh, there will be logistical arrangements about that be it you know you know the travel arrangements also the training arrangements on Monday I know they have difficulties as to being able to have a decent surface to train on at the moment as well um, and so it might well be that gary and shaheed needed to just have a conversation about priorities or whatever uh, you know uh, with regards to that game um and it could be all as innocent as that and people are reading uh too much into it um one thing i do know is that as i mentioned before you you can't suddenly put a whole new team out for, for a replay they have going to be uh, signed on for the first game so uh, i guess time will unwrap the, the any truth or anything that is happening behind this one, but certainly I tried to ask the right questions of the right people and uh, was pretty much told no, nothing's going on
0: here. So me and Chris met up yesterday and uh, the weather was that bad that we ended up sitting in Chris's car to record this bit, we're going to go and have a pint and and have a little chat over the, the National League North fixture between Charlie and Darlington and also the FA Trophy Results involving the northern sides. So, we, but instead we're sat in a car park in Chris's car. Here is our review.
2: So we've been to a match today, and it's really been really cold and windy. Uh, we're going to do it in the press box, but it's that cold we've come and sat in Chris's car <laughs> to do this round up. So uh, we're going to look over the, the northern results of the trophy and also the uh, the National League North. So there was one game in the National League North, which Charlie beat Darlington. 1-0 down at half time but ended up winning and they've gone back top now
3: yeah they've, been a, they've took advantage haven't they they've took advantage of, of everyone else not playing today and uh, like you say 1-0 down and then they scored 3 goals within the space of 12 minutes now I haven't read about those goals but Andy Teague got 2 of them so I presume they were corners and it kind of caused a bit of havoc in the area
2: so we'll move on to the trophy and good win for Telford 4-3 against Farsley Farsley were going well in the Eurostick Prem beat Alfredton in the last round and uh, Telford. It was a it was a very ding dong battle, it was one all at half time, but Telford prevailed eventually.
3: Yeah, and I think anyone who watches the, the Evo Stick Prem will have seen that uh, that would have been a really tricky game for Telford because Farsley are a very very decent outfit and so I knew they wouldn't go there and get turned over and I knew they'd go and give them a, a tough game and I think there was a lot of goals in the second half of that game because I think they were, they were level at half time Um that's a very good win for Telford.
2: Yeah high flying Baysford as well in the Evo Stick they lost five on it Chesterfield in a local derby another result that stood out for us Chris was um, Blythe going up to Lancaster I and mean, you saw Lancaster win it. Guysley midweek in the trophy replay, and uh, they couldn't quite do it at home to Blythe today. Ended up with nine men as well.
3: Yeah, I think just one step too far. Now, I think Lancaster would have fancied themselves as well, because I've got to say, they were the better team against Geisley on, on Tuesday, and we all know Geisley's cup exploits this season, knocking Cambridge United out of the cup, going, and the FA Cup going a little bit further. And I think... <laughs> I think they turned up and I think they expected to beat Lancaster. Now the the conditions were terrible, it was foggy, it was awful weather conditions, a bit like it's been today, but uh, yeah, Lancaster will be really disappointed. I think they were about a man down after an hour, so I don't know when the second went, but no, I'd say that's a very good win for, for Blythe as well, because the conditions would have been tough there.
2: Now I know on paper you'd say Southport against Solihull would be a Solihull win, but saying the weather in the northwest has been horrendous and with Southport being on the coast, it would have been a horrible game to play, and in the end, uh, Solihull Moors prevailed with a, a late, late winner.
3: I think they are possibly the story of the season so far, aren't they, so- Solihull Moors? And like you say, that would have been an extremely tricky game in extremely tricky conditions, and they've got the momentum now, you know, they've been on TV, they've they've, they've held Blackpool, they're, um, they're going great guns at the moment, and... We talk about I mean, we talked a few weeks ago, didn't we about the it being a three a three horse race for the the premier division, but they could be in the they could be in the pitch you know if they keep going as they are. I know this is the trophy today, but to keep that momentum going. you never know
2: another game where a potential banana skin could have happened was um, Hartlepool, who reported Richard Money this week as uh, their manager. They went down to Leamington. now lemington a, a very tough outfit to play against Hartlepool wouldn't have fancied it, and they eventually prevailed by a goal. To nil, and again, that was a bit of a slog for Hartlepool. They'll be relieved to get through, won't they?
3: Yeah, it's a. <laughs> Leamington doing so well, but it's it's not a, gr- a type of ground that Hartlepool will be used to playing at this season, so I think that's a fantastic win. They'll be going back, they'll be back on that coach as soon as they possibly can to get back up to the North East, take the win away, and see who they're going to get in the draw. Um, and then also, you know, Richard Money will have been seeing how things went in that game. He'll probably want to get him back and work out, right now I've got a little bit of time to work out how we're going to progress from here he'll have learnt a lot about his players on a day like today as well
2: yeah North Yorkshire Derby Harrogate 2 York 1 as well up there and uh if this was in the league we would be saying it was the result of the day but Stockport went to Algingham, who Old Gingham th- who were up in third at the start of the day in the National League North this is in the trophy but Stockport went and won their 1-0 all bit
3: against 10 men yeah and Stockport they've got a bit of momentum behind them we've got to mention their uh, their win at Spennymoor in midweek as well they beat Spennymoor 3-1 uh, away from home i a really really tricky tie that on a Tuesday night especially after um, a really tough draw against Chester as well on the Saturday and they went up there and they were 3-1 winners you know a fantastic win but i thought that that might have taken a little bit out of them for the for the match against uh, altingham today as you say, Altrincham going great guns in the league, but Altrincham were down to ten men for the second half. I believe Jordan Hume got sent off in that game. County were already one 0 up in that. Now County got playing three times in the space of four weeks over, um, including this match and you know, over the Christmas period. So it'd be interesting to see whether a mark has gone down today.
2: Yeah, and the big loss is that was big loss for Altrincham as well, losing Jordan Hume. He's been their main man this year, hasn't he? Yeah,
3: he's always impressive, isn't he? He's, he's He's an absolute—he's the definition of a handful, isn't he? But he can not only hold the ball up; he can set people on. He's strong. He's a really strong player. And i are going back over old ground, but I think we said at the time I was—I was really surprised when he joined Altrincham and dropped into the Eustace Prem uh, last season. But I think that decision has, um, has shown to be a good one because he's up there this season with, with Altrincham in a, in a player position.
2: Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris, and we'll we'll speak to you soon.
3: Yep. Cheers, Luke. So that
0: was our review of the FA Trophy games involving the north, northern sides, and also our review of Charlie versus Darlington. There was just one match that took place in the National League South this weekend, and here's Tom Lang now to tell us all about
4: it. It was an easy pick for match of the week in the National League South this week as the only tie which took place due to the FA Trophy matches was Hampton and Richmond Borough hosting High Flying Welling United. Welling United lost last week 3-1 to Torquay and will be hoping to turn that around when they visited the Beavers. However, it was Hampton and Richmond Borough who took the spoils two goals from Christopher Dixon moving him up to 11 for a season were enough to beat Welling United who got a late consolation through Daniel Mills. It means that Welling United have now lost two on the bounce and they've slipped down to fourth in the league. They're now a full five points behind Torquay United with Woking and Billericay both having games in hands over Torquay they look like the goals main challengers. For Hampton and Richmond Borough meanwhile this is an important result which moves them up to 13th in the league where due to how tight the division is we're only actually three points away from Dartford in seventh in the playoff places. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast.
0: So, as we've just reached the halfway point of the league season, and because it's, there's not been as much action this weekend, we'd have a look back at our start of season predictions and see uh, how well we are doing. But I know you're the man, the stat man amongst us all, so you've been keeping count of, of what we predicted and whether we've been made to look uh, idiots or whether we're made to shine or not.
1: Well, the one thing for sure, Luke, if we ever take part in this kind of game, we're all going to end up with egg on our face because these are some of the most unpredictable leagues in uh, in world football and uh, we've had a go at it. And, you know, inevitably we've hit a few correct ones and, and a few absolute mares along the way as well. For a little bit of fun, I uh, devised a scoring system against this because, as you know, uh, yourself, Chris Pratt, Tom Lang and myself... We all had to list our champions, playoff winners, playoffs, relegated, top scorers, etc. for each of the uh, top three divisions. And we also had to uh, predict uh, to who we thought would be champions in the uh, step three divisions as well. I come up with a little point scoring system, which I won't bore the listeners with. But uh, suffice to say, at this stage, (drum roll, please. In fourth place, but only just, with 85 points, is Mr. Tom Lang. In third place is your good self, Luke, uh, with 95 points. And vying for the lead, but albeit only 20 points ahead of bottom place, uh, is myself and Chris Pratt, who've got uh, 105 points each so far. I know you've been not privy to this little spreadsheet I've been keeping, so I will flick it round the team for you all to have a look at. Let me give you a little bit of detail from within it. Let's get the mayors out of the way first.
0: Southport. Understand
1: it. <laughs> yeah, well, Southport is going to come up. But let's start with the National League. Um, and unquestionably, not just us four, but uh, you know, all of the non-league world thought that under Martin Allen, a former uh, conference winner, Chesterfield would do so much better than they have Uh, Chris and Tom both picked them as their favourites to to be champion whereas I think you and I had got them finishing in the playoffs so uh, kudos for you Luke because you uh, predicted Leighton Orient to win the league and uh, I believe they are top at the moment so do you want to enjoy that little moment?
0: Yes I'd like to thank everyone who, uh, (laughs) who guided me on this very path and I think I've also got the top scorer yeah. correct so far as well.
1: Well, we come to that in just a moment as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to claim a little bit of, uh, uh, of credit for predicting that the top two would be Salford and Leighton Orient. I've got it the other way round. I, I, I was the one m- member of the team that predicted Salford to, to win the National League. So I have to kind of stick with that. I do think it will be a 2 between them and Leighton Orient. In terms of people we thought that would be in the uh, relegation zone, interestingly, uh, Chris thought that uh, Braintree and Maidenhead would be, so he's done pretty well there. You've you, you got none of the current bottom four, Luke. I won't read them out and embarrass you, but um, suffice to say, you, Tom and Chris all predicted Solihull Moors to go down. Um, now, I'm not clairvoyant, I didn't predict them to be in the top five or six as they have been all season but I did think they do a bit better than that and I had them down as mid-table which is almost a relative success isn't it but um, in terms of the top scorers, interestingly enough we're not too far off there, I mean Tom missed a little bit with Pavey because Pavey didn't really get it going at haven't and obviously he's now at Dover, he did score yesterday, um, I've gone for Macaulay Bond and you and Chris have gone for Adam Rooney and I- I think it will be between those two won't it uh, Luke and uh, and Danny Rowe of course you can't rule out as well but uh, yeah at the moment uh, you and Chris sitting on 10 points for for naming Adam Rooney who's just a goal or two ahead I think of Macaulay Bond in the National League scorer's charts.
0: Oh, well, there we go I thought I went for Macaulay Bond so there we go but yeah go on Adam Rooney.
1: <laughs> yeah that's it. Coming on to the National League North probably the biggest faux pas based on their appointment in the summer based on a really really good pre-season where they did particularly well against league sides as well Uh, shamefully Luke you, me and Tom all predicted Southport to win the league now of course for the first couple of months they were sat rock bottom weren't they but they are on an unbeaten run of 10 or 11 matches now so uh, a long way to go it's a marathon not a spin (laughs) sprint
0: yeah watch your space it's how you finish the season not start it
1: Yeah, in terms of the teams who are up the top there, well, nobody went for Bradford Park Avenue. Chris did put them down as uh, possibly making the playoffs, so we'll give him a shout there. Nobody picked out Chorley either, who've been up there another a a strong start to the season. Uh, At the other end, um, well, we've all got one of the bottom four each at the minute, um, and that's Ashton United, who we all predicted. Top scorer in the National League North. A um, couple of you boys went for John Parkin. I went for Simon Ainge, as did Tom. I Think they're really troubling the scorers too much, are they at the moment? Now
0: well, Simon Agin- well, both Simon Ainge and John Parkin are injured. I think they've got about—I don't think they've got five goals between <laughs> them this year. So yeah.
1: Just yeah. a bit fun. Moving on to the National League South, uh, I'm really, really gutted here because I've been sitting smug all season, haven't I, with Jake Robinson. He's smashed his way to 10 goals, way ahead of everybody else. But, of course, now he's left and he's gone to Maidstone. Um, so he's not going to win me any points, is he? Although I think he still is currently, isn't he, the top scorer? I might be, we might have to just verify that one. Uh, if, if he hasn't been overtaken, he will be very shortly. I'm just going to um, go to the. Uh, I'm,
0: just, I'm just going to go to the adjudicators, Rob. The adjudicators say he's currently joint top goalscorer along with Jamie Reed from Tarkey
1: Well, there you go. That's ten points that I'm currently sitting on that are going to be snatched away from me and will probably leave uh, Chris Pratt out, the housewives' favourite, in first place on his own very shortly. But there is obviously a long way to go. Uh, I don't think anyone else is going to come up with a top scorer Uh, Chris went for Matt Patterson of Oxford City They're in good form at the moment Brett Williams uh, was your choice at Torquay And coming on to this is where I'm going to need a little bit of help from you Uh, Well, certainly on the Northern one anyway Uh, The Northern Premier League You and Chris both went for South Shields I went for Scarborough right up there And uh, Tom went for for Trinity just confirm with the listeners who's top of that league at the minute for us Luke
0: so yeah currently top of Nunwich, there six points clear of Scarborough who have a game in hand uh, Gainsborough in fifth and South Shields are in sixth so it's still hard to play for in that division
1: well the way that the scoring system works I'm the only one likely to, to get any points for this one for being close with Scarborough but uh, and Scarborough of course still still in with the shout there in the uh, southern Premier South where we've gone for a couple of teams went including Tom went for Salisbury Uh, now at the right end of the division of course Um, uh, you went for Weymouth Luke uh, which is a a pretty decent bet as well because they're up there as well aren't they in the top three at the moment I can't remember their exact position perhaps you can confirm that one as well for the listeners
0: so currently top of Tartan Town Weymouth are second Salisbury third Met Police fourth and Hendon in fifth
1: good stuff Uh, moving on to the Southern Premier Central Division well um, interestingly we're all in the top six Uh, Chris and Tom have gone for Kings Lynn who are currently sitting 6th and uh, myself and you Luke we've gone for Kettering who are actually 2nd but uh, with games in hand they could potentially be top and I think we've got a big chance of uh, points there with that prediction
0: yeah we'll say that yeah <laughs> obviously they've got to win those games but yeah they're, they're currently 4 points off top behind Stourbridge, with uh, 3 games in hand in In 3rd place is Bigglesway Town 4th place AC Russian and Diamonds. in 5th place is Alvachurch
1: finishing on a low <laughs> the uh, Bostic League the Isthmian League as it were with none of our predictions are even in the top five Tom and Chris have gone for Whitehawk uh, who I think are struggling at the wrong end of the table aren't they Luke and uh, uh, you've gone for Margate and uh, I've gone for Hornchurch who's the highest of those teams Luke?
0: Margate are uh, currently 15th <laughs> Hornchurch are 19th and Whitehawk are bottom so there we go
1: we've had a we've had an absolute shocker there but it's a, it's a bit of fun isn't it it gives us something to talk about and something sort of outside that competition but uh, Tom Lang and myself uh, being taking nothing away from, 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 from Luke and Chris but being the real statos of the team we went one step further and we predicted our National League 1-24 to 24 in exact order Now, the scoring for this, if you get a team bang on the place they're in, you get 10 points. Within one place, 7. And within two places, 5. And if you're more than eight places out, you get minus 5. And more than 10 places out, minus 7. Well, we're having a shocker. I'm just in plus points, plus 4 here. It doesn't sound very good, does it? But if I tell you that Tom is on minus... 35 <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like headed for this one hands down some of the shockers of course you know we had Chesterfield up the top end they're down the bottom end um, but also you know for me in particular Gateshead and Barrow I had them in the bottom four uh, and they're much much better than that credit to both of those clubs um, Tom's had even more of a shocker down the bottom because he's got Eastleigh, Barrow, Solihull Moors and Gateshead all down there. Um, costed him minus points. Uh, I was a bit braver with Harrogate. I did think they'd be top ten, but of course they're higher than that. But uh, a couple of teams Tom did really well on that's kind of rescued his score in a little bit. Sutton United, he had them in eighth place and I believe they are bang on and Ebb's fleet in tenth. So uh, there's hope yet, Tom.
0: There is Tom. He's going to... Uh... <laughs> he's getting stick off you. you, the Gloucester City fans will be laughing at him at the minute because obviously he predicted them to go down so at the minute they're not doing but no interesting to see in them are we going to have a little sort of I'm a celebrity style crown of thorns for the winner
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah the new king of the podcast is now it's a little bit of fun and hopefully the listeners will find that enjoyable as well particularly as they you know for those that listen in regularly and get to know the the characters let's be honest to even be as involved as we are in non-league football do as much as we do week in week out with that involvement uh, you have to have a little bit of an obsessive side don't you and uh, I think we have to admit to having that um, but equally hopefully uh, some of our listeners will, will, will be able to uh, empathise with where we're coming from at least
0: There was only two games that didn't make it yesterday in the FA Trophy one was Salford versus Gates at call off due to a frozen pitch and the other one was a game that, <laughs> that Tom went to and it was between Salisbury and Braintree Salisbury are step three Focus of the week. Tom did an interview with Steve Claridge. You kindly stay behind afterwards to have a chat for the NL Full Time podcast. And and here is what
4: they said. I'm stood here with Steve Claridge, manager of Salisbury FC. Unfortunately, we're not going to talk about the game today because it's just been postponed. Yeah. How does that affect your already busy schedule, Steve?
5: Well, it certainly doesn't make it any easier. You know, as as it was that the games that we have were all were all planned out accordingly over Christmas. So this um somewhat a little bit of a spanner in the work, so I think the, the game is supposed to be played on Tuesday. But the weather forecast for Tuesday is supposed to be hen- horrendous. Um, and thinking ahead, after that, I think Christmas Eve is the next option. So <laughs> that gives you some indication of uh, yeah, yeah, that we we desperately get it on Tuesday.
4: And that'll definitely be popular with the player, won't it? Uh, oh, Christmas absolutely, yeah, yeah. When I looked at the fixture list for FA Trophy third qualifying round, um, Sol was one of my picks of the step three teams to progress. Um, you're going very well in the league. Braintree, maybe not doing so well. There's a good chance of an upset when you get around to playing a tie. But do you think they potentially will look at this as a way to get their season back on track as well?
5: I think absolutely. Uh, the way that I would I would sum the game up is, you know, with all due respect, they're two leagues above. If they play well, they should win. Uh, if we were playing a team from two leagues below, that's how I would think. You know, if we play well to the best of our ability, then the likelihood is that we would beat that side from two leagues below. So I, th- I think when you when you do play sides of, of this ilk. Um, then they've got to be a little bit below par, and you've got to be absolutely spot on. And if that is the case, then we have a chance. If they're, you know, if if we're below par and they're and they're spot on, then it, it's it, it would be a little bit one-sided. But as I say, um, stranger things have happened. We're, we're going okay. Uh, I certainly know, or up to a degree, I know exactly what I'm capable of. This far into the season, I probably know exactly what what I'm going to get. Um, and that means that they'll be in for a difficult time
4: you came up from a very competitive league last season I think the we top did. 5 all scored 90, 97 or above points Yeah. Um, and that's been borne out this season by the fact that both yourselves and Taunton are in the top 3 do you think that a promotion challenge is a realistic aspiration this
5: season? I think if it had been a level playing field promotion wise I think that might have been a possibility that we, we, we would have been up there amongst the contenders you're talking about one goes up, you then have to win your playoffs and even if you win your playoffs you're not guaranteed that you'll get promoted because you've got to go and play the winners of the other Southern League playoff winners so whereas last year um, I think in the end because the way that it it, it went because the way the leagues were were positioned I think three or four I think it was eventually came up from our league um, this year you're going to get two leagues and only three will get promoted so last year four from one league this year is three from two leagues so with regard to last year yes it was a great opportunity to get promoted with regard to this year no it's not
4: Yeah. Um, I spoke to Gavin McPherson from the Met Police earlier in the season and he agreed with me that this is a, a tougher league than the Bostick league they were in last season I think that yeah, I, in my opinion
5: this is probably the most competitive Step 3 division nationwide I, I, I would not disagree with that I would also say that the, the South and West would be pretty much up there with regard to competitiveness should we say we came out of we played in that with as you say Taunton, Hereford, Tiverton you know some really really good clubs and I think the difference between this league and maybe comparable leagues is that this these have a physicality to it that other leagues might not have but they're also good players as well thrown into the mix so I think that's that's what why the path that we've chosen has been particularly difficult unfortunately Um, we are probably suited to a league where there's more more football played and that would probably be the case as you say with the Bostick League with the Eastman League whatever Um, so we've had to mix it with some big boys and we've struggled at times I've got to say physicality wise uh, we've been beaten not because teams have been better footballers than us and certainly not hasn't been the case but if you're looking at actual physicality wise we we haven't been able to to match up we've managed to even the equation should I say a little bit this year and that's why we've, we've given that teams of that ilk better games but as um, Mr McPherson says he's got a really good football inside there uh, like ourselves, and at times we do, we do tend to struggle with the physicality
4: moving away from football slightly as well you're obviously a key part of the community here at Salisbury yeah. I know you're also a big advocate for the city of Salisbury Yeah. Um, and how important do you see this club as helping the city to regain its confidence after the incidents uh, of a year or two ago I, th-
5: I think we, we're not the catalyst we're not the core that's going to bring the city back back from what it, what it came from I mean the people and, and the spirit and the character that the people who live here will do that um all we can do is um help along the way I suppose and, and provide a bit of you know light entertainment in what has been an otherwise pretty pretty desperate sort of time. So if people come here and enjoy the football and they go away, you know, pleased with what they've seen and happy with the result, then you know that that's all we can do. You know, we, 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 we as a football club, ever since we started back up, we've always taken notes of, of the fans, we've always, you know, tried to do our very, very best for everybody who's come through the turnstiles, we've listened, we've learned, and we've—I think—we've—we've we've got a, a really good relationship. Even last week, you know, we've got a real loyal hardcore fan base. We had 622. Now our, our gates very rarely fluctuate. You know, um, Weymouth had 540, I think it was. Yet their highest gate has been against us, over a thousand. So we tend to stay around that, you know, the the, the five to seven hundred mark. So we're pretty much we know where we are. Um, and, and we're very grateful that, that people continue to come like they have, it's been a long road it's been a hard road, it's been a, a, a road full of pressure to get us back to the level that we should be playing at which is this level and now now we work on I think probably a, a different a different agenda, I think we, we work now on a time scale that we are where we should be, this, this has always been a southern prem club mm-hmm. um, and now we've got to try and get to that, that next level but we don't have to we had to get out the Wessex and we had to get out the South and West we don't have to get out of this league we'd like to and we will be trying our utmost but we don't feel like we're, we're not where we should be and I, I think that's that's you know the players have, have realised that I think hopefully you know the, the fans have got to understand that albeit this club might have been a, a conference side a conference south side when it went bang those, those times were not you know sustainable
4: um, yeah thanks very much for that
0: so that was Steve Courage and Really impressive speaker, and in terms of, Chris Cross is really unselfish. You know, he knows the limits the club are at at the minute, and also uh, the way he's trying to galvanise people to come to the city as well, and just say, look, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you're coming to Salisbury, go out in the city, go out and have something to eat as well, have a drink, and uh, I think he's conducted himself really, really well at the minute.
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of admiration for Steve Claridge, uh, the player, the manager, the person. I've only met him on a couple of occasions, but. Uh, in his playing days, I've watched him play an awful lot. You know, uh, Aldershot are one of his ex-clubs. Of course, he's got an awful lot of them. He, he got about a bit, did Steve Claridge, but um, he played for locally for a couple of clubs near to me as well, Cambridge and Peterborough. But uh, he was always a hundred percent player in his time, and uh, I think he's given a hundred percent as a manager too. Uh, the two seasons he was at Aldershot, he was player of the season in both. Uh, nothing but respect for the guy, and uh, very, very good luck to him in management and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's conducting himself brilliantly in terms of the, the kind of off-the-pitch stuff there.
0: So we're going to have a quick look at the midweek fixtures now. On Monday evening, Southport face Tranmere Rovers in a replay with a right-to-face Tottenham Hotspur at home. And solihull they travel to Blackpool on Tuesday evenings. Both games are on TV. Solihull- and the win of that game gets the right-to-face Arsenal at home. Uh, Rob, two mouthwatering replays.
1: Yeah, they are absolutely, and uh, you know, I, I heard a really interesting, in a good interview with the owner of Southport, who said that you know they're in a very difficult situation for for the FA Trophy game this weekend against um, Solihull, which you and Chris, you know, discussed in your uh, review but um, they did pretty well didn't they? They, they they obviously had to put out a, a bit of a weaker side and prioritise their game on Monday because those are huge games in the club's history you know those sides fighting for the right on Monday and Tuesday to get home draws against the might of Arsenal and Spurs you know it's uh, it's a once in a lifetime thing
0: It is yeah and, and good luck to both those sides and there's, there's some tro- as I said there's Salford City against Gateshead and Salisbury versus Braintree which are to be played uh, which aren't replays the rest of the games are are replays and some interesting ties in there Maidstone against Woking uh, Woking as we know going really well in the National League South Travel to Maidstone who aren't going quite as well uh, Rob and that could be a potential upset there couldn't it?
1: Yeah I mean you just don't know what to expect from Maidstone at the moment Harry Wheeler's desperate to make an impact but it's like a revolving door there just now isn't it you feel things are a lot more stable uh, under Dowson at Woking just now, uh, but they couldn't get the job done at home, so credit to uh, Maidstone, and they will fancy themselves to have a slightly better chance in a home uh, replay. Um, interestingly, I see that Dura Jai, who's been at Braintree this season and then went to Maidstone, has now been released from Maidstone as well, so interesting that, isn't it, you know, to have been at two clubs and released from them both in the same season, I'd I don't know what's behind that. Whether, whether you know whether it's based on, on on his perceived ability or whether it's anything you know off the pitch, I don't know. But uh, 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 desperate things call for desperate times. I don't know if Gary Ward has got his number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course he can't play in a replay on Tuesday. So there we go. Also in the national league, there's one game: Halifax Town versus Bournemouth in the National League North. It's Ashton United versus Stockport County. So if you fancy going to those games, get yourself out there and watch some quality non-league football. Well, that is it for this week. Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, Luke. Yeah, and uh, I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can listen to us via the medium of iTunes, on Spotify, and also on the podcast app. And you can tweet us at NLFullTime on the Facebook page, NLFullTime, or email us, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, we shall see you all next week, and thank you for listening.